0: Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Good morning, folks. morning. Happy Lenten season to you. Last Wednesday, of course, was when Lent started in this uh, church calendar season. Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. Today is the first Sunday of, of Lent. Uh, what does Lent mean, the word? Does anybody know? It's kind of a weird word. It, it reminds me of lint a little bit, which then makes me think of belly button lint. but you don't know. <laughs> uh, the, the first uh, Lent, it, it actually comes from an old German word uh, that means something like springtime. And the season of Lent, it is extra-biblical, so it is church tradition, uh, and and we are in the season of of Lent here, and really the the big point of Lent is to prepare us for for Easter. Now, uh, the history of Lent is much longer and complicated than what I really wanted to know for this sermon, uh, what I really wanted to get into um, but essentially, I can boil it down and oversimplify Lent like this. Um, early practices, uh, perhaps it was like a week-long time of preparation, You'd, some fasting, preparing for uh, the, the resurrection uh, celebrations and things like that. Eventually, in history, it became a 40-day event. It became a much longer event, uh, mimicking Jesus' wilderness uh, period, if you recall that Jesus story. And so Lent, it looks different between person and person, between church and church, tradition and tradition, denominations, etc. Um, it looks different around Christianity, uh, but it is a, a period of, of penitence, or at least that's, that's a part of it. Uh, penitence wasn't, uh, isn't a word I grew up hearing a lot, but that's a feeling of regret for doing wrong. Being, you know, hey, I'm sinful. I missed the mark. My shortcomings. I feel bad about it. Um, but the point isn't to stay in that feeling. You you don't stay in that sorrow. But we we begin this spiritual journey by entering, you know, in into our brokenness, into our our sinful state, calling out for for calling it out for what it is. We embrace it. We embrace who we are, we embrace who we are not, we examine ourselves, we own up to our, our, our shortcomings, we confess, and we move towards the good news of Jesus, of his death and, and resurrection. And so Lent, it really can be a good and beautiful thing. Lent can be a vehicle that, that changes our hearts, to, to make the changes we, we so desperately need. Now some of you might be allergic to th- things like Lent perhaps because of your background you grew up in a, a strict tradition Lent was was big and, and, and a lot of a lot of religious things to do others of you might be open to it but you still don't really do too much with it it's just kind of like yeah it's the season to prepare for Easter um, a typical thing that we hear at least in the, the circles that we swim in is like you you give up something for Lent. You know, I'm giving up sugar, or I'm going to try to cut back on caffeine, or um, every Friday fast fast lunch, or something like that. Currently at Plymouth Meeting Church, we just kind of hold this uh, loose and broad uh, perspective on on Lent. And uh, I, I was I was led to talk about it today, but then specifically through these three perspectives, they're going to sound fancy. Don't be afraid of them. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy. We're going to consider the season of Lent through these three perspectives today. Just to, you know, in community, help us, you know, get on the the same page a little bit about Lent. What, What we should think, what we should do, perhaps how we should feel during these times so we, we start thinking about Christmas, you know, God entering into our, our world. God is here in the flesh, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. We think about Jesus's ministry, his, his healing works, his, his, his teachings. We think about Good Friday. We think about Easter. We think about ourselves. And we reflect on the gospel. We reflect on all of these things. And, and so Lent can be a, a season to really ask, hey, am I I thinking right? Am I I doing the right thing? Am I practicing right? And again, am I I feeling right in and around my my beliefs? And so as we get started here, let us first consider this word of orthodoxy. Of the three, this is probably the one you've heard about before, orthodoxy. Um, We're going to consider Lent through this lens here ortho means straight. Orthodontist, you're getting your your teeth straightened. Ortho means straight, correct. It means right, proper. Doxy means opinion, way, belief, teaching. So we put that together. Orthodoxy means right, belief. Okay, so essentially, yes, there, there are facts there, you know, there, There's truth, there's, there's theological content for us to know and under, understand and believe, believe them to be true as we consider the gospel. As we inhabit this time of, of Lent, it can, be a, it can be a time for us to refresh what's going on up here, to, to revisit the intellectual side of our faith. So let's uh, consider 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11. Uh, Nearing the end of his letter, Paul writes to the house churches there in Corinth, and he's like, Okay, folks, remember the good news. Remember this this message that I gave you. Remember this central story that your life is all about. Your life is based on this. You know, don't don't be a Christian and name only. Don't be superficial about this. Do not give this heartless commitment. All right. Remember the gospel. That's what Paul says to summarize. Uh, th- there is a straight up gospel. Remember it. Then he goes on to say, for what I received, I pass on to you as a first importance. Paul received the good news straight up. He passed it along to the house churches in Corinth. The, the, there are fundamental things to our faith. Okay, Theology is a big world. With lots of fancy terms and angles and perspectives and approaches and methodology. Theology is a big world. But there is a core of our, of our faith. Meaning like, if you mess with it, it stops being Christianity. Okay, it's like there is a core. There is a core. There are fundamental things to our faith. And then Paul, he walks through some of the core things here. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. There was a real person named Jesus of Nazareth. He physically died. His death is on behalf of us. He, he died for our, our sins. And notice Paul says it's in according, it's, it's according to the scriptures. In accordance to the scriptures. This is a way of Paul pointing back to, to the Old Testament. <clears throat> That, that the arrival of Jesus, the death of Jesus, it's not random. This factual death event of Jesus is rooted in the larger story of Israel, the, the larger story of, of the Bible, the prophecies, the the wisdom, and so on. Paul is saying on Good Friday, this, this fact, the death of Jesus, it's actually in alignment with God's covenantal story with humanity, with, with Israel. The death of, of Jesus is a really big event. Something really big happened. Something was established. Theologian N.T. Wright puts it this way The early Christians were clear Jesus' death m- made all the difference in the world, all the difference to the world. God has died for us, God is giving Himself away. And that is fact, that is a really big deal. The apostle John framed it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave he gave Jesus. And whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Paul goes on, Jesus was buried. Again, walking through, hey, here's the core. Jesus, he died, he was buried, he was raised on the third day. Again, according to scriptures. Jesus really did die on a cross. His body was taken down and wrapped up and buried in a garden, a garden tomb. Jesus really was buried, and Jesus really was resurrected in accordance to the Scriptures. And so what this means is that intellectually... Like, we can look back to the Bible. We can plunder the Old Testament, the prophecies, the Psalms. And we can try to make sense of, of what's happening on Easter Sunday. And then Paul goes on to say, here's, here's all the appearances that resurrected Jesus made. Again, there, there are core things about our faith. And the main point for now is, is, is this. Lent can be a season for you to engage in the intellectual and theological parts of the gospel and the whole story of the Bible, that we can sink deep into the truth of God. Orthodoxy, right teachings, right right belief. And this is probably where uh, many uh, American evangelicals are the most comfortable, hanging out with, with orthodoxy. So, so this season of, of Lent, it's an opportunity for all of us to just refresh ourselves with, with doctrine. So perhaps there's, uh, there's some Lenten Bible readings you might want to do, some devotional studies specific to Lent, read through the gospel accounts. Maybe there's an Easter-themed theology book you've been, you've been wanting to read. Or if, if you want to you know, go for that like, meaty and, and raw theological stuff. You know, our articles of faith, we have 25 articles of faith. You know, it's, it's written in, you know, it's like it's like hardcore stuff. Hey, this is what we believe. Here's our articles of faith. Go back and review that. It, they're found on our website. Study, study, study. Ask questions. Keep, keep learning. Stretch those, those intellectual muscles up there. Orthodoxy. Now, approaching orthodoxy is not a boiled-down private affair. Orthodoxy isn't about just making sure you believe the right things so that you get to heaven. There's, there's way more to our faith than just right belief, which leads us to orthopraxy. Orthopraxy. It means right actions or right practices. One uh, Australian writer pointed me to a scene in the nearly four-hour film, 1959, it came out. Ben Hur. Anybody seen it recently? A little, a little. <laughs> it's a long movie. It's a long movie. A couple years ago, I watched like the first half, and then like took a break, and then like a year later, like tried to watch <laughs> the second half. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's almost four hours long. But anyways, near the end of the movie, um, the main character, Judah Ben-Hur, he's filled with hate. And his friend-slash-love interest, Esther, she tries to comfort him. And she goes on to tell him about Jesus. She's like, do you know this man from, from Nazareth? Oh, Judah, if you would have heard him today, kind of thing. Like, she, she shared about Jesus, his words of, of hope and, and life. She said things like his voice traveled with such a still purpose. It was was more than a voice. Indeed, the the voice of Jesus, the voicing of Jesus was astounding. Mark chapter 1 and other gospel accounts remind us that Jesus spoke with authority and and power. Jesus wasn't bound up to some rabbi's philosophy and and methods. Like, Like Jesus didn't stand under another rabbi Jesus was Jesus. He spoke with authority and and power. And you know what? His words matched his ways. His ways matched his words. He practiced what he preached. He, he, He was who he said he was. Orthopraxy is the practice of our faith. Last fall... Or so, we, we worked through the book of James together as a church. If you recall, James 1.19, faith and works, they go together. We don't want to divorce the two. Let's consider the book of Romans uh, briefly here. Romans, there's a lot going on in Romans. Romans 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11, there's a lot of orthodoxy there. Paul's fleshing things out. He's hashing things out. This is, this is what's happening here in the, in the life of Israel and Gentiles and what God is up to here. A lot of orthodoxy in chapters 1 through 11. A lot of doctrinal discourse. However, when we get to Romans chapter 12, there's a call to action. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of everything we've been talking about now, in view of God's mercy, and here's, here's the practice, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God. This is your true and proper worship. As we live our life within the life of God, we are to give all of who we are. What we think. What we do. We're we're giving it to God. We are a living offering. (laughs) Ephesians follows a a similar pattern here. Chapters 1 through 3. Paul's hashing things out. He's, he's, He's talking... Talking some theology, but then when we get to chapter four, what we call chapter four, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Again, there's this, hey, practice this stuff out. Put it into your life. Put it into practice. Don't just know what you need to know, but live it out. God has called you. You have met grace. You have seen love. You've experienced love. You, you know the truth, grace, and love of God. Now, go and live. You're on this journey, so, so journey well. And so, uh, the, the gospel is not just this intellectual agreement, but it also, it, it, it's more than that. The, the gospel forces us to, to face outward, to be able to see others and the world around us. Titus chapter 3, we find a bunch of orthodoxy. We also find orthopraxy close together in, in, a, in a passage. Paul, is he's sharing orthodoxy about the gospel, and then he says it's trustworthy. And he says, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Again, there's that call to action. Believe in the good stuff. Do good stuff. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. In short, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, they go together. Okay? Can't separate the two. We want to help thinkers do, and we want to help doers think. Now, flowing out of your beliefs, bringing it back to Lent now this morning. What. What practices do you think God wants you to do this this season? Is, is there a habit perhaps God is nudging you to, to really pick up and do? Spiritual disciplines, we, we call it. Spiritual habits, journaling, praying. Maybe a type of fast is, is appropriate. Serving. Meditation. Memorize that, that scripture that you've been wanting to Memorize. Are there action steps you that, that that God is is nudging you? You know, maybe maybe there's an action step, um, something He wants you to do to uh, to help love His Word. How can you love God's world during this season? Love the church, love people. In what ways can you love God's mission? So I encourage you in, in prayer to. Ask God to expose and nudge you towards a certain practice this this Lenten season. Maybe you're you're just really like you're so busy right now, and perhaps the it's just hey, take a step back and cut some things out, create some margin time. That's between you and God. Ask ask God, hey Lord, sort me out, show me. Show me some practices. Let me me take a step of faith here and walk out on that limb. And so Lent is a time to refresh our faith intellectually. Lent is a time to put our faith into action. Lent can also be a time to get in touch with our feelings. So let's go to the third perspective here. Orthopathy, the third perspective that we'll consider in light of Lent. And this word might be new to, to many of you. Orthopathy, it means like right feeling, right desires, right passion. And actually, it isn't touched on as much as as orthodoxy and orthopraxy. But orthopathy, orthopathy is the emotional attitude of our faith. We are more than minds and bodies that do things, but we feel things too. Our interior world is messy and complex, and it's fluid. As we gracefully strive to think right and do right, orthopathy is the consideration of the attitude of our heart, our emotions, our passions, our desires. Are they swimming in grace too? For instance, when when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, yes, we want to develop a robust, gospel-saturated, Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered biblical orthodoxy, biblical orthopraxy. But I believe, you know, we are also invited to read for orthopathy. We're not just mining the, the Bible for data, but we study and we enter into the complex realm of emotions. And yes, it gets subjective, it's... Hey, am I feeling right? How does God feel about this? How do you, how are you feeling about this? Sometimes orthopathy uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to find you know perhaps there, there's a, a law a command in the Bible and it just we read it as like law it's like okay got it I won't do that or I will do that and we, but then we we kind of miss out like the whole heart and attitude why that exists. Other times, orthopathy is, is more uh, readily available. We can, we can pick it up right off the surface of things. For example, Leviticus 19.34. We see this. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Okay, So, so we see the, the right feelings here, the right attitude here, the orthopathy the right emotional response of of love and hospitality, of of taking care of of people in this particular situation. I also, I I advise you to consider uh, the Beatitudes, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, other stories. Perhaps, you know, think of some of the metaphors that the Bible uses, like the church is the bride of Christ, all right. Intellectually, we we think we we it's a category where we're sorting things out. We're understanding how the covenant works, and you know, bride of Christ, yeah, yeah. But then, like, but don't neglect the orthopathy of like, like we are the bride of Christ. How does that make you feel? God cares about our passions. We're created in his, in His image. He understands that we have desires and, and, and passions and emotions. And just like everything else, our passions and feelings can be immature. They can get hijacked. For example, uh, John W. Moorhead, he, he tells a story that happened in public. There was a Christian speaker at an event. And, and, and then afterwards, there was like a Q&A, a question and answer period. And in the crowd, there was a, a young Mormon, and he he was he was brave. He went to the microphone, and he tried to respond to the speaker, some of the current concerns that that he had. Essentially, in his Mormon framework, he wasn't represented well, or his what he believed about Jesus wasn't wasn't represented well. And so he he went to the mic to try to. Have some dialogue, like what, like right there in, in the middle of the group, in the middle of the assembly. So um, the Q and A ended up getting heated, and and despite the best efforts of this Mormon to try to clarify his beliefs and commitment to Jesus, again in his Mormon framework, what happened? The, the guest speaker made a move. He stopped talking to the individual. And he started talking beyond him. He, he talked to the whole audience and said this. See how they love to distort the meanings and words? And so the, 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 the Mormon grew frustrated, and he, he walked away from the encounter, and he was like, man, like you're not even trying to understand. Okay, so to be fair, yes, this, this speaker was trying, he was concerned about Orthodox Christianity, And he wanted to ensure uh, to the audience and to the young Mormon, "Hey, yeah, Orthodox Christianity, Mormonism, like, like there's differences. There's there's stuff we gotta talk through and and challenge and defend and, and stuff like that. Like, that's all fair, okay? But in that moment, you know, his his emotional attitude was it shaped by an orthopathic." To, to love neighbor and, and foreigner. What ended up happening was in the process, the guest speaker, he opted for something that was like more of like a confrontational orthopathy. He's, when he stopped talking to the individual, he talked past him, he talked around him. and his orthopathy led him to broadcast a stern orthodoxy that was just interested in like shoring up boundary lines. And again, yes, Orthodox Christianity, Mormonism, like, (laughs) there are lines, you know, absolutely. We can have those intellectual conversations and interfaith conversations and all of that. But we gotta pay attention to the attitude of our heart. How we react, how we respond. Lent can be a time to come before God and allow him to shape and craft an orthopathy that is after his own heart. And the good news is this. This is the work of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter uh, 5, Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If our beliefs and our actions are deficient in love, deficient in joy and kindness, and so on. Then absolutely, we need a Holy Spirit encounter. Something isn't right. We need revival. Galatians 5:16, it says we are to, to live in the Spirit. We're, we are on this walkabout by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And that's the thing. Here at the end, we do not want to do Lent without the Spirit. We want to humble ourselves and let the Spirit guide us on this journey. And that's honestly how I see the season of Lent. Not as like a religious thing, a bunch of, bunch of hoops to jump through or anything like that. It's, it's an opportunity, a season to, a season to inhabit. We are going to journey and we want to journey well. And the Spirit is our wilderness guide here. And so I just hope uh, that you see how orthodoxy, right thinking, orthopraxy, right actions, and orthopathy, right feelings. I hope you see how it all kind of fits and flows together. Another technical term I'm going to throw at you, hope you're ready for it, it's called imbrication. Imbrication. Think of like tiles on a roof, tiles that overlap, that's called imbrication. Orthodoxy, orthopathy, orthopraxy, it all fits and flows together. And so, however you approach Lent, church, whatever practices you are led to do, may I encourage you to start simply and begin this journey by, by asking the Spirit to be your trail guide. Since we live by the Spirit, may we keep in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit meet you where you're at. Take you back to the beginning. Quiet your soul uh, so that you can hear the the Spirit speak words of identity over you, to remind you who you are in Christ. Let let the Spirit remind you of of the promises and, and truths of God. Let the Spirit lead you into right lifestyle. Listen and see what acts of service, ways to be generous, hospitality, what relationships to pour into. Maybe there are things to give up. Maybe a type of fast would be really appropriate. How's the Spirit guiding you in that way? Our intellect, our actions, the inside world of who we are, we are not meant to stay the same. You know, we, we don't run into grace. We don't run into Jesus and stay the same we're on a journey we are becoming who we are and so church we are invited into this journey of repentance that's where we own up we, we call things out for what it is awareness of sickness so that healing can begin awareness of neediness so that nourishment can happen be received we journey with Christ in the spirit we're on our way to the cross. We are processing. We're repenting. We're believing the good news. We are becoming who we are. And so may the cold, wintry parts of who we are burst out in vibrant, flourishing life.